Hello, Internet. It's episode 10 of the Vox podcast. And they said, Andy, they said we'd never make it this far. <laughs> they all said we They wouldn't. all said it. They, they said, no way. You can't put something up for free. No one will get it. But we showed them wrong, Andy. It's episode 10 of the Vox podcast, recording here in the home office. Now, Andy has... has when, before we start recording, Andy always has some confession. Uh, he carries around a great deal of sin. And so... C- confessing this morning there were two things one he's got this these hybrid pants on that uh, could you put a picture on a, a, yeah. of them up because they're sure. i don't even know i got uh, i don't even know what they are and then and then secondly that you don't like pearl jam which given that you like adele really makes sense because <laughs> um i don't i don't know that you could hold both of those in the same kind of music preference um, uh, they're it, opposing forces. They like, are opposing like the forces in the world. A, the negative That's right. and positive side That's of, right. of uh, magnets. So we lost. Uh, we lost Scott Weiland this week. Yeah. Um, yeah. Singer for STP, as I I knew him, and That's then right. Velvet Revolver mm-hmm. with uh, some of the remaining members of Guns and Roses. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, there there have been a lot of um, early '90s sorts of tributes. Yeah. That are out there these days, which which I'm happy. I've just stayed there. I've never moved beyond the early '90s, and so that's just a fantastic thing. Yeah. Um, but you had something for us. Yeah, I got. Is that got, true? Yeah, I got some fun stuff. I guess this is kind of a an early mid '90s banter day. <laughs> given that I given that I am officially confessing that I don't like Pearl Jam. And here's the thing: I actually I legitimately tried. To take on listening to Pearl Jam. No, now. you did not. Uh, about a month ago, I threw on some Pearl Jam. What did you listen to? Oh, the hits. What's that? What's the? What was that? Second record. See, I can't even tell you what record it was. It was versus with, like, Jeremy on and it, was, it and that was called Ten. That yeah. was her first record, right? So I listened to Ten because I recognized all of those songs. Yes, like, I was like, okay, these yes. are all the hits I, I yes. was. I and knew they're about. still awesome and i get it it's totally one of those like i get it conversations but i put it on and i just don't i don't like it and 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 i can be criticized a lot because i also don't like nirvana's nevermind andy is so fired that's- andy this this will be andy's last episode episode 10 we had a good run <laughs> they said we'd never make it right but i did like stone temple pilots core i oh. actually think which is per- which lo- is light pearl jam light, it's light pearl light jam pearl yes jam. <laughs> yes but okay go ahead and um, I guess I guess the short list of other '90s bands that I also liked. I love Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah. So I'm, I'm huge on Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah. Stream, too poppy. Calling me stand as well. So good. Of course you like that. Yeah, that's right. They were hipsters before they were hipsters. I liked Soul Asylum. Of course. I liked Live. Oh boy. Mm-hmm. I liked a little bit of Collective Soul. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yep. And then late '90s came, and I just got into a bunch of hardcore bands. So that just changed everything. So that being said, like In Sync and Backstreet Boys, uh, that would be the opposite oh, okay. of what what oh, I okay. like at that point. Okay, so, but um, I thought I I thought I'd uh, tickle your fancy a little bit, and I thought we'd do a Whoa. little Pearl Jam trivia for you. How, how does that sound? Bring it, <laughs> bring it. Now, now, a buddy of mine who I have not seen in in a couple of years said he listened to the first podcast. And he said, and he said, "Can I tell you what I really think?" He said. I don't like listening to 40 minutes of fluff to get five minutes of meat. I did see that. And um, so, okay. So this is the fluff you can disregard. But for us, it's meat. This is meaty. (laughs) Because we're not doing it for you. We're not doing it for you. 
All right, here we go. Okay. There's just there's. You did not, not tell me these questions ahead of time. I did not. He has no idea. Okay. And we're not going to do all these questions. All right. There's, there's like 34 questions. So Whoa. We'll do 10. Okay. Well, of course. We're going to do 10. That was their first it's album. Episode 10. Right. And it's their first album. Right. Oh, this is perfect. Right. What were they called before they were called Pearl Jam? Oh, that's not on here. I don't know. Mookie Blaylock. Mookie Blaylock. After the basketball player. Oh. Yep. And the and the basketball player didn't like that they used their their name mm-hmm. or his name, and so they went to Pearl Jam. All the more reason why bands in that era just came up with sucky band names. What do you mean? Faith No More? Awesome. Alice in well, Chains? Okay, Faith, eh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. Okay. Blues, well, Blues Traveler, I guess. Was yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, go right, for here it. here we go. Yep. Question number one. Yep. How old was Eddie Vedder when his father died? Oh, man, 13. And you are correct. Yep. Question number two. Go. What's that sound? So she said, "Have I got a little story for you?" Yeah. What's that sound at the end? At the end of the song, "Brain and Jay." Would you want brain the of Jay? Brain of Jay. Yep. Do you want the options? Okay, get laid on me. Mike McCready throwing a six-string bass. Okay. B. Mike a bomb. McCready doesn't play the bass. Okay. Okay. B. A bomb. Okay. C. Some weird effect done with a guitar. Okay. Or D, a real gunshot. Ooh. I'm going to go with throwing the bass. Right. And that is correct. Yes. Question number three. Even flow. What did Eddie Vedder do to his hotel room the day he found out Kurt Cobain was dead? He trashed it. Oh, that's on there. Let's just click it and see if that's it. And you are correct. Yep. The other options was he put lots of pictures of Kurt all over his room. False. Creep. He wrote, Kurt Cobain will always be in the heart on the walls. Um. Or punched a hole in the wall. <laughs> okay. All right, here we go. Question number four. All right. On what soundtrack can the song Hard to Imagine be found? Oh. One options? Yeah. A, Dead Man Walking. Okay. B, Singles. Okay. C, Chicago Cab. Oh. D, The Hurricane. E. Um, I'm going to go with uh, A. And that is incorrect. What? The correct answer was C, Chicago Cab. I have no idea what that is. Yeah. I've never heard of that. Okay, go. Okay, here we go. Question we're, number five. We're dragging. We're dragging here, Andy. What is the name my, of the... My buddy's going to tune out right now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. What is the name of the dog who can be heard growling on the binaural CD? Oh, my goodness. I have no idea. Here we go. A, Buddy. B, Little Eddie. C, Rover. Or D, Dakota. <laughs> Dakota, just because that was your band name. <laughs> Close enough. Let's see. And the correct answer. That is correct. Yeah, yep. I knew correct. it the whole time. Okay, here we go. Last question. We're just yeah. going to skip ahead. This yeah, I think worth, I think I think people have checked out. This already. is worth the whole treasure. Okay, here we go. What was the ooh? What was stolen mm. from Stone Gossard during the No Code tour, but later returned anonymously? Yes. Is it a a priceless Les Paul Gibson guitar? B, his sunglasses, C, Fender Stratocaster signed by Jimmy himself, or D, his cell phone? Uh, it was either it was either the Les Paul or the Strat. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Les Paul. And here we go. And that is correct. Yes. Hey, that was a one for, that was a five for six. Yeah, that's what it is. Well done. Yep. That's right. So. Okay, good job. Uh, so we're still trying to get Pearl Jam to do our outro music. Yeah. That brings us to the topic today, Andy. It's Christmas, and uh, the the world is filled with some tinsel 
and Christmas music or holiday music, if we're going to be politically correct, it's just holiday music. Hanukkah started yesterday. Um, and, and it's fascinating because I've always, I've always been surprised by the juxtaposition, their second use of that word mm-hmm. today in the podcast, the juxtaposition of the fact that this is like a very sentimental time of year and the rates of suicide, mental illness, loneliness skyrocket during this time. And so we thought that it would be uh, very appropriate and timely to talk about mental illness, a Christian perspective on mental illness. And maybe maybe that is what we can use to excuse Jerry Falwell Jr.'s remarks. Maybe he was just, he forgot to take his medication that day. Who knows? Um, I'm, I'm just kidding. That'd be too easy. That would be too easy. So, <laughs> so both Andy and I... Um, have have wrestled with depression and anxiety. And so we're going to get into the topic by just telling a bit of our story. So Andy, I want you to start. And I want you to just, um, uh, in ways so that my friend won't, you know, think it's fluff, tell us a bit of your story uh, and, and what it's been like for you and where it is uh, now for you. Yeah, so um, I didn't, I didn't really... Uh, I wasn't able to acknowledge that I, I was I struggled with this issue uh, till my early 20s and this took place over time after I, I think do you have I'll, memories of it earlier no I, I don't um, I don't the I think what what changed and, and kind of set a new course of life was when um, my mom was diagnosed with MS when I was 1993. How long ago was that? That was that was when I was graduating from college. Right. Yeah. So I was I was eleven or twelve. But as um, as a few years went on after that, my dad started to do a little bit more traveling, and there was kind of this expectation that I needed to help out a little bit more around the house, pick up some more responsibilities when he was out. So it kind of it it changed the scope of what my context was at home to what I was supposed to be doing with life. So I kind of started to take on an early an earlier burden of responsibility for my my brother, my sister, my mom. But um, as I kind of got into 19, early 20s was when I started kind of being on my own and doing a lot of band stuff and, and starting to really pursue that as yeah. a dream. And um, that that career choice came in opposition, I think, of what my parents would have hoped I did. Which, Shocking. Which could have been anything else. Shocking. It felt like. And so, you had long hair at this point. No, I didn't. This oh. is when I had like bangs in front of my face and different Whoa. colors. And so kind of like, kind of like flock of seagulls. Yeah, totally. Yes, good, yeah, absolutely. good, good, good. And what band were you involved with this at was, that point? This would have been uh, Nightfall. Nightfall. So, yeah, this was around that time. Yeah, but I gravitated towards that music because I think it felt like that was a, a good dynamic of something I could press into that helped to start articulating the emotions that I was dealing with. That was really energetic but kind of like just uncomfortable and i guess angry would be the right word you know yep. i wasn't satisfied with like the lack of affirmation of of my choice and so i that became my way of expressing it yeah um so you find like you know over time working with different creative people you end up in a lot of conversations that kind of change the way you see things and the way you go about so i um at that time like i basically ended up hitting a wall um uh, basically, in no less words, like I started to develop like a very strong attraction to my other guitar player who who was a girl, and that relationship basically was not going to go anywhere, and I just wouldn't admit it to myself, and so it it kind of peaked at a certain point of conflict with us where I think my emotional struggle in trying to achieve that 
ramped and just became anger. Mm-hmm. And so it, I mean, more in like yelling, shouting kind of thing. And I realized I just went off on this girl and had no, I'd never done that. To because she was, person. she was not responding. Yeah. She was not responding and, and wasn't interested in, in pursuing a relationship. Well, her, her freaking loss. I mean, let's <laughs> just say what's she doing now? <laughs> yeah. She's, she's a, a professional guitar player and, oh. and crushing it. So she's doing really well. Oh, okay. Well, it, doesn't matter. Okay. But um, that, <laughs> you know, so the, there was, but I mean, I, I running in the circles, I was running in, like I was partying a lot. I was, I was drinking a lot and involved in a lot of that. And I, I just started to kind of pave a road that didn't speak a lot of value back to me. My sure. value became in how many kids were coming to shows. Was this music getting where I wanted to go? We had conflicts in the band. We're trying to get signed, get management, kind of take it to the next level. That stuff wasn't happening. And so it it all kind of started to circle back and started looking at myself as just failing, failure, failure, failure. Like, I'm not going to make it in this. So you've disappointed your family. Mm -hmm. You've disappointed this this relationship didn't work out. The band Mm -hmm. isn't living up to what you thought. Right. So tell me, so when when, when was it that all of that kind of broke down for you? Yeah, so I I want to say that that was probably around twenty twenty one by this time, and I was I had started living at home again. There was a certain point in this time I'd, I'd gotten briefly kicked out, was living with my drummer, came back after about a month, and then I think all this other stuff kind of happened. And I remember going into my mom's room um, after that that night that fight. It was probably like two a.m. or something like that. And I woke her up, and actually I remember my dad being out of town, and um, I remember telling her like I just. I need help. And so it was, the, it was the anger that was driving it or was anger, that just a symptom? The anger became, I think that became the pinnacle of my realization of yeah. like something's wrong. Something's wrong yeah. because I've never acted this way to a friend. Did you, did you get a diagnosis in the midst of all this well, stuff? Did you go seek help or so that's what happened? So then basically she lined up a counselor. I went and started to sit uh, with this counselor and then I, I sat with her for over a year and, um, the primary thing that we, we stepped into is trying to un- uncover if I was ADD, if I was ADHD, if that was playing a role in trying to figure out my depression. Yeah. And um, my parents were always like, oh, we always thought you're ADD, but we just didn't want to take you down that road. So we just didn't. Right. And, but I struggled with school and grades and all this stuff all the while of like, I'm not, I don't, why do I get bad grades? I just don't care about this stuff. But then I do really well in these other things and it was never really acknowledged. Right. So part of the, the road was then determining that yes i was suffering from some kind of depression i also was kind of suffering some with some anxiety that was amidst all of that but part of it was then she just helped to build for me a toolkit to help me realize a lot more things about myself to then like kind of put up some barriers and some boundaries and understanding if i start to get here this is where i need to turn a corner and think differently do different things and she didn't want to medicate me because she was like i don't want to hinder your creativity right and so she's like i but i want to help you figure out what to do about it and, right and do all that so it was after about a year of that that kind of used those tools to kind of carry me out of that season right and then all that to be said then since i've been married i've actually seen that anger return I've oh seen it man kind of spike in different yeah points in our marriage over the past five years and that that's kind of now sidewalled with like some other some kind of new depression and new anxiety that i've been dealing with alongside that wow yeah yeah so it's so, come back so yeah so yeah it's come back and and some of the old tools don't really work yeah and it's because it's i was single i was in a sure. different stage of life and now it's you know we've um i mean yeah so we, we've been doing some new therapy 
over the past like four months or so and getting some new tools but i don't know it's, it's just different now yeah it's different now and finding beginning of the week actually after weekends like i i i feel more i i didn't i can't relate with what some folks talk about when they're like i couldn't get out of bed this was like where i was at right i definitely have these high emotional moments by myself or yeah i will i'll just want to break down i'll yeah. just want to like let go and kind of cry mm-hmm. and then but lately i've been feeling like this monday morning kind of like physical like just it just kind of comes on me and then certain music and songs actually <laughs> intensify the sensitivity where i'm just like oh yeah i kind of just want to melt in this song and just kind of lose myself and, right well pearl jam will help get you out of that pearl buddy. Jam. <laughs> i think it's a symptom <laughs> frankly that you don't like them that's okay. that is what concerns me more than anything else that, that's that's the antidote here uh, yeah that, yes Apparently. pray more pray more and pearl jam and pearl jam now now um yeah that sounds very familiar uh, not the anger part but every time my 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 uh, my sweet mom is visiting from ohio over the holidays and we always laugh because uh the rudolph the red nosed reindeer special um, you know, there's the big abominable snowman. Yeah, the claymation one. Terrified me. me out. Oh, he terrified me. And, and so my mom's always buying me little, little, um, little like figurines of the abominable snowman just to make sure. And I twitch, you know, a little bit every time. But, but I remember being a kid that just had a tons of irrational kind of fears. I was always smart enough that I could envision all sorts of crazy things happening. And, um, but it wasn't until uh, I had surgery for an ACL that uh, I, I came out of surgery, and then that night I felt like I couldn't get a breath. Uh, my wife says, you know, she still could smell the anesthesia for two or three days afterwards. But I, I just remember having um, panic attacks. Like I've never, I didn't know what they were, and, and what 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 it created was a constant state of anxiety. There was no off. Um, for for three months, it was the worst, worst, worst three months of my life because there was nothing external that I could point to. It wasn't like something bad happened. Mm-hmm. It wasn't um, that there was some sort of, uh, you know, situation or circumstance that was causing this. I just felt like an entirely different guy. And I lived with this constant state of anxiety. And then you have uh, what's called the second order anxiety, which is anxiety about the anxiety you're having. So, you know, that makes it even more fun. So couldn't sleep. I mean, it was just, I was just a total mess. Um, and for whatever reason, I, I was praying a lot on Easter Sunday that year. I, I woke up and I just felt better. And I thought, okay, good. I'm glad that's over. And it just kept coming back. And, and every time it would come back, it was accompanied with greater pits of, of um, depression and fear. And, and I'm a pastor. And so I have to get up and, and talk every weekend and, you know, do four or five services. I mean, there were times, man, I did not know how I was going to get on stage, let alone remember what I was going to talk about. I mean, it was awful. It was awful. It was awful. And I felt like um, there was there was there was no place to go. There was nothing to do. So I finally, finally, after I hit the, the worst was one night, it was raining and I was out in my backyard sobbing. Um, I had to teach the next day. I had no idea what I was going to teach on. Um, I was I was such an utter mess. Um, it was the darkest, just the darkest you know, I just didn't even know how I was going to get, you know, stay together as a person. Um, it was as close I've ever had to a breakdown. And and then the next day, but mind just like, bro, you have to go see a counselor. You have to go see a therapist. And I was so proud. I did not, did not want to do that. 
you know? And uh, it was so humbling to go to see um, a therapist. And then during the 18 months of that, have him recommend medication because I've always been the... Jesus is enough, man, you know, and the spiritual disciplines of fasting and meditation and prayer and study. I mean, those should be enough to carry you through about anything. And it was such an admission of failure when I started to take meds and, um, and gained a bunch of weight, which, oh my Lord, I did not need (laughs) at all, which just further, you know, made me feel alone and ashamed. And, Mm. and so I, I, you know, like you, um, I I began to come to grips with okay this isn't this isn't going away I tried to get off meds once mm-hmm. and ended up the day I stopped I was titrating down the day I stopped I was just sitting in my bed weeping uncontrollably I mean just so weird man so weird and even when I talk about it, I can't even read my journals from that time I get yeah. too freaked out yeah. so so um, you know for both for both Andy and I. Um, we, we live in this kind of weird tension where not, not every part of the Christian community is okay yeah. with this conversation, with medication, with this diagnosis. Um, and, and so we wanted to just share a little bit about our journey because as I've, as I've shared it, I am, uh, I'm horrifically amazed at the numbers of people who sit in uh, shame and in silence, uh, particularly in the church because the of the stigma attached and um and so so i just want to i want to spend a little time talking about it and and some lessons i've learned and even if even if you're listening and this isn't something you wrestle with odds are you know somebody who does or you will and or you're part of a church that or not that uh that has to wrestle through some of these things and so I um, want to share just, uh, just a few lessons along the way, because my, my experience, and, and tell me if, if you've seen this, Andy, mm-hmm. uh, my experience is that usually the church reacts, because mental illness isn't cool. I mean, you know, no one, you break your arm, people sign your cast. No one one's going to sign your head. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's such an oh, embarrassing thing to be wrestling with. Mm-hmm. Um, so in general, it seems like the church seems to... And I mean capital C Church, seems to either ignore it altogether. We just never talk about it. We don't we don't have it as a list of things people wrestle with. Um, or we treat it exclusively as a spiritual problem. And if we do acknowledge it, then the right answer is to read your Bible more and to pray more. Yeah. Or we just we just scoot those people off to professionals and let the professionals take care of it, and you know, that's all we do. And um, none of those is sufficient, right? Ignoring it, obviously, is, is death. Because um, if you're somebody that, that uh, leads a spiritual community and you don't talk about this stuff, you, you're missing the opportunity to be Jesus in such profound ways to, people who, to real people who are deeply wrestling through some of these things. And if, and if we just say it's a spiritual issue, is that the kind of the counsel you had? Along the way, or what was your experience with church like in the midst of that? Um, I would say that the first the first round of therapy was more was kind of value focused of trying to create the person that I wanted to be. So mm-hmm. it, it was like a lot of future focused positivity of like to get to this point to get out of this. Let's focus on how to make 
make it make yourself anew but it was right. in alignment with my faith so she understood my faith and later came to found out she was also a believer and she never really told me so right it, that was really interesting right just that but it helped me to take on like a faith identity understanding what christ has done for me and, and mm-hmm. in that trying to develop one of the most inspiring things she told me at that time was like she's like i just believe you're going to be the kind of person that makes your own way and makes your own career i don't think you'll do well just working under other people right and it's kind of been that thing of like well that helped me to kind of feel like i didn't have to fit in a box right you know and look at like the way my parents live the way other people live of how to have a career as a family etc etc but understanding it doesn't have to look that yeah way. you're not a failure because you, you don't fit exactly. in the box and that that actually alone gave me so much more freedom to, to yeah. imagine my value and imagine who i was right so more recently yeah, the, the more recent counseling has been more around a little bit of both of that. Still understanding how Christ sees me as sure. valuable, as sure. valuable, and then how do I align myself into that value? Listening back to the Bonnie Lewis podcast, though, and understanding orientation, going back to orientation, some of that stuff. Those kind of come, orientation, disorientation, exactly. not not sexual orientation, right? Correct. <laughs> but like how you know Bonnie was saying, like whenever you get back to yourself, that's right. when we can hang out. Right. I've been trying to like get my head past that because I think I do subconsciously think about that. Well, I just want to get back to the place when I was normal or when I felt better, Ooh. rather than trying to move forward into reorder, re- reorientation. Bringing, yeah, reorientation right. and bringing right. the grief with me. And that's it. How to do that? So that's right. That's kind of it's that's funny because even listening to that was one of like a new kind of key to kind of help me get along. Yeah. But the the church as a whole, like participating in a church, honestly hasn't, I, I haven't come into any adversary in it, around it. It seems like all my church community experiences, I've, I've felt open among like my small groups and other people to Great. share these types of things. Great. But what I do find is that other friends in other small groups still don't know how to deal with it. Right. They don't know how to come alongside you and encourage yeah. you through it and like actually yeah. be really great friends about it and whatever whatever else someone might need along the way. Yeah. So as Christians and as church folks, we're I still feel like we're we have a massive deficit for how to understand this and how to work with it. Yep. So so if if the the answer isn't to ignore it, um Let's talk about the second option that that a lot of folks believe, and that's just it's purely spiritual. And certainly, part of your journey and part of my journey is a spiritual journey. There's no question there is a spiritual component to this. And And the spiritual component could be expressed in any number of ways. You could have the truth versus lies conversation, right? Here are the lies I've believed. Here's the truth of what the scriptures say. Yes, that's part of it. You, you could have the identity. What are the false identities I've embraced? What's the real identity I have in Christ? Absolutely. You could even have, and I believe there's there's part of this, you could even have the the whole demonic conversation that there, that, that if uh, you hold that there are dark forces at work in the world, then of course, piling on is an option. Yeah. You know, if, if there's a genuine uh, place of depression, anxiety, mental illness, well, then of course, darkness would add to that. But what I've also discovered is that we're whole people and that you cannot separate the physical, the emotional, the psychological, uh, your your family history, your current relational networks uh, from your physicality, your mental makeup, the amount of uh, neurotransmitters in your brain. I mean, you just it, it's it'd be nice if we could all separate it out that easily. Yeah. 
but I've learned that we can't. And so one of the pieces of advice I give to people who are struggling is you're a whole person. So let's address this holistically. Are, are there are there spiritual issues at work? Absolutely. Let's take time to explore what those are. So let's pray in case there's any darkness that's being added or poured onto you. Let's pray against whatever the adversary want to do. Let's pray against suicidal thoughts or whatever it is that's going on. Yeah. And let's not let shame have a foothold. Let's bring it all out in the open under grace. Absolutely. But I also have seen the power of, of realizing it's an emotional issue too, that there are emotional ruts or ways of thinking that um, a qualified, solid therapist who, and, and therapy, therapy, the, the big reveal I had about therapy wasn't that therapy was a way of fixing but therapy was just a way of teaching you to reprocess. As you would process out loud, you're with somebody who can spot crazy processing and say, hey, you know, that really isn't the way that it is. And that was so unbelievably helpful in the journey. And and for me, there was some emotional parts, you know, in the unpacking of all that too. And then lastly, the physical part. I mean, I genuinely, and this was the hardest one for me, that I genuinely had to come to believe that there, there, there are... Um, uh, amino acids that that form into neurotransmitters that help or hinder, and um, my psychiatrist was just going, "Dude, something happened when you were in surgery. You're different. It just could be your brain needs some of this." And 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 his big argument was, "If you don't need it, it won't help. Um, but if you need it, yeah. it will help." Right. And and I tell you what, man, about three weeks after taking medication. It was night and day different because wow. I was afraid my personality would change. I was afraid yeah. my my creativity would be diminished. Yeah. I was afraid uh, of all of these things. And then I realized, no, this, man, this was a huge help. And I thank God for the medicine because I, I, I also believe that we live, American uh, Americans live in ways that totally exacerbate anxiety and depression. In other words, every other culture in the world has extended family networks and and it's it's not just a nuclear family ever that's trying to raise kids and pay babysitters. It's there's extended networks, there's lots of manual labor, there's lots of outside and sunshine and sleep yeah. when the sun goes down and you get up when the sun is up. I mean, there isn't there isn't all this artificial stuff and all this pressure. And so you know, I, I think that even the way we live modern life makes this worse. Yeah, I hear that. that I, I have these moments where we have a lot of friends where we live that are involved in, in craftsman type jobs. They're, they're carpenters, yep. they're guys in concrete. And I'm like, I sometimes I'm like, man, I wish I went that road. Yeah. I, I, I wish I don't, have to, I wouldn't have to use my, this, this is going to sound wrong, but it, I'm saying this the right way. Use my brain the way like I have to all day. Right. Like, you know, obviously these guys have to use their brain too. But I think like I would much, I, I've been feeling this lately. Like I just want to use my body more to yes, labor. To get me out of my head. of my life. To, because, yeah. Yeah. Because it's just. To I, get out of your head. I'll work crazy hard all day. Be super productive. And so much of it is creativity. So much of it is thought. And I go home. And I'm completely wiped out, and I feel like I got nothing done. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and then I, and then you're and then you're home with your sweet wife and your two kids, and they and, don't get the best of me. Nope. And then you're failing them, and here we go on that same cycle, baby. So so there's a sense in which, when I give people, um, 
you know, if they ask me for advice or learnings or whatever, it's okay, we're whole people. So you have to live an anti-anxiety lifestyle. So that means sleep and exercise and diet and avoiding caffeine and blah, blah, blah. You have to lead an antidepressive uh, kind of lifestyle the same way. Sometimes meds help. Some uh, Prayer, of course, always, always, always. But it's never just that. I think we do such damage to people when we just say, nope, if you just prayed more, because it's, again, oh, yeah. it just is reinforcing shame. It's not bringing what's really going on out into the light of the gospel of Jesus. And so I, I think it's infinitely more complex than, than often what our cliches uh, kind of let on. We don't, we don't want to over-spiritualize it. We don't want to under-spiritualize it. We just want to say we are whole people. And the big thing for me, Here's what I realized. Taking medication was exactly the thing that allowed me then to engage with my emotional issues. Because otherwise, they felt too big, too scary, and I would never, I'd never go near them. And so it was when medication sort of provided a cap, a bottom, and a top that boundaried what felt like endless depression or anxiety. Now it was boundaried, and now I felt like I could really engage those parts of me that I'd been putting off. So that was the the huge thing. So part of what we want to do is we just want to normalize the fact that you can love Jesus, um, you can want to serve him with your whole life, you cannot be guilty of egregious, unrepentant, you know, blatant sin, and you can still be depressed, and you can still be anxious, and you can still be fretting and fearful. Mm-hmm. And yes, we should not worry about anything and give all things to God. I totally get it, and I'm growing in that. Uh, but also, there's a lot of help out there that if we just destigmatized it, and is there abuse? Of course. Oh my goodness, there's abuse. Yes, we have pills for everything. Got it. Got yeah. it. Got it. Got yeah. it. What I think the thing too we're talking about is that. You know, let's not just sum up someone who's dealing with this as just a person who's made bad choices in yes. their life that's taken them down this road. And it's like, well, you know, maybe you wouldn't be here if uh, if you'd done this ten years ago, or seven years ago, or five years. I mean, like that's. I think that's more of what I what seems a cultural norm. Right. That they want to come up with some other explanation to how you got there, rather than this is where we are. Right. You know, and this is now. Just how do we deal with this, rather than trying to come up with some retrospective solution that. You know, it's like, well, I can't change that. Can't. Exactly. This is this is where I am. Exactly. That's that. So yep. now what? So if you've got a friend, so so my best, the best friends I had in the midst of this, um, I had some really bad advice. You know, uh, things like, hey man, you know, people preach with cancer, so you can do this. Yeah. And it was like, oh well, let me just add, let me add some to some more sense of failure and weakness. Um, but the, the best guy, uh, that was a, was a huge uh, friend for me, his name was Nick and he had gone through the mental illness journey. And there were a couple of times when I was as low as you can imagine, he would just come and sit there. He would just sit there. He wouldn't talk unless I wanted to talk. And whenever I would talk, he's like, dude, I know exactly what that feels like. And it's not always going to be that way. It's just not always going to be this way. It's not. And he would just kept saying that over and over and over and over. And there was no, not an ounce of judgment, not an ounce of anything other than, dude, I totally get it. I totally get it. I, t- I get how awful this feels. Because the, there was still part of me that had to go up and perform every Sunday, you know, like, like I've got it together. And, and, um, cause I was afraid if I, if I started talking about this while I was super in the midst of it, I wouldn't be able to pull it back together. So people like that. So if you've got a friend or family member, um, I, silence is beautiful. 
the phrase, I don't know. Hey, let's all practice this together. Ready? I don't know. know. One, two, three. I don't know. know. Hey, why am I wrestling? I don't know. What do you think I should do? I'm not sure. I don't know. I'm just here. I'm with you. I'm not going anywhere. This doesn't scare me. I don't look at you differently. Your weakness is okay. It's okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just think there's so much in just being present with somebody who's in the midst of this because it's so, it feels so isolating. The lie when you're in the middle of it is no one understands. No one feels this way. And so I remember I would hear about celebrities that would struggle with this and, or I would meet people who would struggle with this. And it gave me such a, such a sense of, um, brotherhood and sisterhood to know that there were other people yeah. who were who were wrestling with this stuff too and so um I, I think there's so much power in just being present and not being weirded out i mean we had a we had dear friends who uh, he was um he was bipolar on the manic side and mm-hmm. had to be hospitalized and 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 you just realize you know a lot of this is genuinely outside of the control of the person yeah there's nothing the person can do in the moment yeah. to bring that back and um just piling on at that moment is just it's death it's death it's death it's death so so part of what we want to do is we just want to say listen if you're here and you're struggling it's okay to need emotional help it's okay to work through emotional issues it's okay um to to seek prayer and the truth of the scriptures and medication and counseling it's okay it's okay it's okay and if you don't know where to go or who to talk to just email us contact Contact us at Subversive Kingdom, and I have loads of resources and counselors that I can put you in touch with. Don't don't think you're by yourself on this at all. Don't do it. But more, probably more of our listeners are folks that are just aware or have friends or family who are in the in the thick of these things. And, and it's very easy in Christendom to should people with platitudes and cliches and or just people just yeah all you got to do is just just do this just do that yeah and very often part of what they're saying is part of the answer you know absolutely but we're whole people that's the big that's the big thing so we have to attack it emotionally we have to attack it physically we have to attack it lifestyle wise we have to attack it dietary wise we have to we have to attack it perhaps medicationally is that a word we have to physically medically medicationally (laughs) (laughs) i don't know pharmaceutically pharmaceutically and 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 so I, I just think I, the big gift I'd I'd want to give people is um, is permission. It's like the grief thing. Yeah. What's the big gift we give each other? Permission. What? Why? Are, what's threatened by somebody being in the midst of depression and crying out uh, because they feel like God's so distant? What's threatened in us? What makes us have to fix and solve yeah. in those moments? You know, I've just learned. No, 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 no. Just presence, presence, presence is the thing. And so uh, I think that that um, if you'd like reading resources, I can put those together. If you'd like, um, if you'd like uh, counselor networks, I'm in touch with those. But the big thing is that you can love Jesus and be totally fallen apart. You, you just can. And, you know, people, there, there are loads of questions like, well, when Jesus would, would be healing people or, or casting out demons, were they were these just depressed people? Was this epilepsy and everyone thought it was a demon? And how do you know? And, and, you know, those are great questions for a future podcast. Cause I've got, I've got thoughts on that. I had some folks pray over me okay. that, that if the enemy was involved in any of the darkness that, you know, I'd be freed from that. But 
after that happened, there was still the wrestling, you know? Sure. So it didn't, it didn't solve everything. So any last thoughts, Andy, while we wrap this one up? <laughs> no, I, we've, I, I'm just thinking about everything we've said. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I, even just what you said, like remembering it's a holistic conversation. You know, there's multiple points and things to try, you know, and sometimes it's it, some, yeah, sometimes prayer releases a lot of things and it takes people away from that thing that's there. Sometimes medication does the job. It's hard part is the brain is, is explored as basically the most complex organ in the human oh body. Oh my goodness. Yep. So for us to just suppose some simple, you know, kind of Christian cliche upon it and assume that it's going to fix the problem, I think is actually more naive. And I think God's like, yeah. oh, you're smarter than well, that. Well, and I think, I think you can make a theological case for some of this. I mean... I think that you can say when when scripture invites us to observe the world and learn from it, that there are ways of learning truth and accessing truth about us and about the way we see the world mm-hmm. that can come from other places other than the Bible, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, one day, yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't no, 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 please. I, uh, one thing that, that kind of blew my mind in a real just fun way when um, I, I can't remember scripture in verse, but when, you know, Paul talks about, you know, to take on the pattern, you know, to, to refuse the patterns of this world, but take on right. your mind to be transformed like, yep. in your mind. I hear that. And then I read all this neurological study over the past 10, 15 years of just how like how habit creates a neuropathway. And yeah. habit actually transforms the mind physically and how it can be transformed differently by change of habit and change of diet and change of all these different things. Wow. It's just amazing to me how it's like, how Paul was calling something out in scripture that's now neurologically defended as 100% physically possible. Yeah. So to say like, I'm going to commit to new patterns, whatever they be by spiritual disciplines, physical disciplines, right. dietary disciplines, the brain can actually be molded and formed differently right. upon those types of decisions. Now, depending on your starting point, what you're fighting against is going to make the road different as you mm. get to some kind of ending result, you know, heroin addiction to all the way, you know, completely sober. Every, right. every brain's different. Right. But that's, that has been like this fantastic thing for me to think about. It's like, oh, cause it, that is almost like this physical sense of hope. Yeah. If there's things I've done in my life where I've created habit and I've created pattern that have gotten me to where I am. Right. Knowing that like there is potentially a, a physical roadmap I can take. To kind of do that, I can I can depend on it scripturally with faith and hope, and I can look at science and know yeah. this is actually valid. Yeah, it's, what, is, is real is amazing to me. That's beautiful, because what we don't want to do is we don't want to do the Pharisee move, which mm-hmm. is the easy move when it comes to mental illness. Someone must have sinned that you're dealing right. with this. Who sinned? You or your parents that you you're struggling with this? Yeah. And Jesus reframes the whole conversation in John nine, right? I'm going to show you neither. I'm going to show you what God will do with this. And to me, that's the last thing I'd want to say is that there is there is something about the way of weakness that um, is so powerful in the life of faith. There's something about limping. You know, the, the, the story in the Old Testament where this man named Jacob wrestles with an angel that some things God himself or whatever, but but part of what the angel does before the angel blesses Jacob is he he dislocates Jacob's hip. And so Jacob, which is so weird. I mean, I have no idea what exactly was going on there. But but it, Jacob now walks with a, a limp and he's renamed Israel, which means one who struggles mm. with God. And, and so we've talked about it before. There's a limping that is very, very important in the life of faith. And so I don't enjoy depression, anxiety. I don't, I, I've, I've prayed for it to go away for a long, long time. But um I've also learned the truth of 
of the words of God to Paul, that same Paul, who prayed, you know, for this thorn in his flesh. We don't know what it was, but something he asked God to remove three times. And God said, nope, my grace is sufficient. My power um, is made perfect when yours is brought to an end, is the better translation of that verse. And so there's something about the ending of our power that gives God room to work. And so I, I don't like what I've gone through, but I, I wouldn't trade it back in because there's, there's, there's something that's happened that is beautiful and good. And so we just want to hold out, uh, we want to hold out that hope to you wherever you are. And again, we're so grateful that you tune in and that you listen. Um, keep pinging us on Twitter at Mike Erie or uh, subversivekingdom.com or Facebook. Um, we also, um, we have a YouTube page, Andy. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. I, That's I've, funny. I've yet to promote it. it it's a, just another avenue of the way people kind of enjoy media and content. So, and so I started I started it with the first podcast. So I've been uploading every episode to it. So you just listen to it. Yeah, there's no there's it. no visuals. There, there's like a I made a graphic that just says the episode and the title and because you don't want visual. We have our faces are made for podcast, not <laughs> video cast. Correct, Andy? Uh, yeah. Okay, I'll speak for myself. Yeah. Certainly, certainly true for me. Now, um, so so and 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 subscribe on iTunes. Let us know you like it. Give us feedback. Pray for the two people that have given us no rating. Um, and. Uh, <laughs> And, and again, thanks for the privilege of, uh, of joining you wherever you are. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you peace. Amen and amen. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Vox, the Mike Erie podcast. Be sure to like Mike on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash official Mike Erie. Follow Mike on Twitter and Periscope, at Mike Geary, for live interaction and ongoing Q&A. Don't forget to visit SubversiveKingdom.com for further engagement and information about Mike.